My name is Lale Welsh. Welcome to the NDF podcast series. Today, we are speaking with Dr. Farid Halakui and our Emotional Wellness Director, Carol Gelbard, on the topic of disability, ableism, and some of the associated feelings of shame and taboo. The following are excerpts from a very long discussion, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. One of the biggest struggles that we have um, that I don't know how to overcome, and it's a cultural shift that needs to be made with the help of people like yourself and everyone listening in, but you know the, the shame and the taboo that is placed on genetic disease in particular, if, it, if there's a genetic disability that can affect other members of the family, as opposed to being disabled, for example, because of a car accident, uh, it's a very different thing because now you have a secrecy and shame and it becomes a dirty secret. And people don't want to come forward and be counted, which is obviously a hindrance to not only their own personal uh, growth and ability for organizations like ours to support them in ways that I think can be very helpful, but it also hinders science and the very thing that they think they want, which is a cure, is hindered by the fact that they're not coming forward and we're not allowed to know about them and they have to be in secret. I have people that call me from uh, blocked numbers that won't give me an email that uh, tell me that they have told people that their injury is as a result of a, a athletic accident as opposed to a genetic disorder because their fear is that then no one else will want to marry into their family. And for certain ethnicities, and this is true for several different kinds of ethnicities around the, the world, uh, that can play a gigantic role. And of course, completely reduces and diminishes the role of the disabled person the way you were just recommending, which is the healthy way to do it. Um, so can you speak to your experience with that? Sure. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's heartbreaking even hearing you talk about that reality that we do see. And again, in many cultures, um, as an Iranian myself and working with a lot of Iranian families, I've, I've seen that where uh, they're hiding or, and we see this, uh, you know, again, not to make, maybe I'll always see this lens because of mental illness, but I've seen it with mental illness too, and, and it's not just Iranians, but hiding suicide or hiding mental illness because they think um, people will look at our family differently. And, you know, in the Iranian culture, as in many cultures, it's almost like we're, we look at ourselves as like a pedigree, you know, of how do we look to others and our status and how have we been? Um, some cultures like, you know, in India, there's a caste system, but, you know, there's very much this hierarchical type of uh, situation that's created in a lot of cultures and to, to, that determines things like who, what families you get to marry into, opportunities for wealth and jobs and different business ventures and things like that, that people feel this um, hyper competition to present themselves in a certain way and anything that might make them look less good or less than in some way, they're going to try to hide. Even things like uh, I've heard of people hiding cancer and cancer diagnosis and things like that because people might think that runs in the family and makes us weaker in some way and as you mentioned Lala they wouldn't want to marry into this family because of that so I think sadly we see some of that remnants things are of course changing especially for people who are you know let's say Iranians outside of Iran and even within the country but especially outside of Iran but still we hold on to some of those if you want to call them values but I think really values makes them sound too positive it's kind of cultural um <clears throat> 
disorder. down points. Or maybe cultural disorder or cultural, you know, negative side points um, that make people feel that they have to hide these things, which makes people suffer in multiple ways. First of all, the message you're sending to that individual in your family who you're trying to hide is, of course, you are something that we are ashamed of and you should be ashamed of yourself in some way or you're going to get that 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 message uh, as you mentioned a lot of they might not even seek as much treatment or be you know trying to allow them to live the full life that they they could live um and it's just a very 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 sad state of affairs to, to have that happen so because they had some disability a very visible disability and they didn't want people to know about it. can we maybe call it what it is um, from from someone who is not trained, a layperson, uh, looking at that, it sounds a lot like cultural narcissism to me. It sounds like a disorder. Perhaps you could correct me on that, but it just seems like if we recognize it for what it is, that behavior, that collective behavior, then we can begin to dismantle it a uh, little um, by little. And as you said, that little by little, because these things obviously take time. And, and I, I would say likely there has been some at least little steps taken in you know recent generations or years but you're right i think you know um i'm all about cultural sensitivity and understanding and having respect for all cultures but i don't think we should then look at anything within a culture as somehow you know uh it's blasphemous to, to disagree with it in any way or to not look at the dysfunction it's causing for the individuals in that culture you know, if you say, for example, uh, maybe something like, oh, well, you know, we hit our kids and Iranian you know, families say, well, it's common. They would do that as, a, as in many cultures. So it's part of the culture. Well, no, this is child abuse. It's harming the development of our children in, in ways that are not necessary, not helping and really hurtful. So we can change that and not just say, well, this is how it's it's been done. So I think having some level of respect for culture is important, but not in some way that we don't really take a closer look to see how are we hurting ourselves and members of our community by maintaining some of these cultural norms or values. And so, yeah, we have to call it what it is, and it's something very, very unhealthy. The uh, assumptions underlying it are not even true. And um, we are forcing people to suffer for our own, as you said, you know, you called it cultural narcissism. We have to kind of try to protect ourselves in some way or what we think is protecting ourselves and that we should, could consider it unacceptable. And slowly, as you said, step by step, when something becomes less okay, um, people start changing. And as people feel more okay being open, uh, that, that starts to create a snowball effect where it becomes more okay to be open and we realize the, the wrongs and what we were doing and, and start to make that change. So I would really hope right. that anyone listening, of course, from any culture, but you know, uh, really takes a look at that and sees the ways that we have these still faulty beliefs that are coming from before and how much we're hurting ourselves and loved ones because of this and that you know accepting and loving all all of us is really what we want to to go towards and really what that word us includes is important because us and them you know that can change it's not always the same thing to consider who's an us and who's a them and we want to make sure we're including the whole human family to add to that, like I was really thinking as you were talking, Dr. Halakui, of like, you know, I am half Persian and I had to grow up in with my father who had some pretty strong beliefs about some of the things that we're talking about of like, don't talk about these things. It's not something we talk about in our community and it's better not to draw attention to it. And I had to learn because I 
grew up very differently. Um, even though my dad had these belief systems, being a therapist and wanting to understand people, like I always like to ask questions and, and to learn about people that it makes me hopeful that I, I feel like the younger generation are more comfortable having these conversations. Like I would say to my dad, like, that doesn't seem right. Like, you know, nobody's perfect. And to like kind of what you were saying about striving for like this perfect mm -hmm. ideal family, that that's so unrealistic that we're setting our, ourselves up for like failure. And, and, and it just seems so inhumane in a way. So mm -hmm. I'd say to my dad, like, you know, there's got to be a way that people can talk about their imperfections because we are not perfect and that people are struggling. And the more we talk about our struggles, whether it is having a disability, whether it is having some depression or having an issue with substance abuse, that there's an ability to connect with others and heal mm -hmm. in sharing our vulnerabilities. And I think I have seen that and I, it gives me a sign of hope that I hope the younger generation that are kind of more open to having those conversations that isn't so taboo that there's strength in talking about your vulnerability. It can be empowering and it can be brave and it shows a sign of courage and you're opening up doors for other people to feel less isolated and to connect mm -hmm. and to feel more real and more human. And I know I really appreciate the history of the culture that it wasn't socially acceptable to do that, but I feel like there are the younger generations that starting to say, Hey, mom and dad, like that doesn't feel right. Or, Hey, when my mm -hmm. uncle says something like, Hey, you know, it's not an easy thing because you don't want to be disrespectful, but you want to also challenge kind of some of the thinking that can be toxic. So I am hopeful that the younger generation and the, that will kind of continue to shed light into being able to talk about things that don't feel healthy in our communities and our mm -hmm. culture and how we can shift. Thank you, Carol. That was really important to, yeah. um, and, and well said. And I think you're absolutely right. My observation is uh, being charged with running an organization originally launched by um, Persian community um, has morphed obviously into a much more international group for the sake of being able to find patients around the world. And it's a wonderful thing. But one of the, the difficulties is to be able to overcome some of the shibboleths you know, some of the, 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 the outmoded beliefs that no longer serve us. And I do feel that there is a new generation of people who are beginning to challenge those beliefs and taking on a different approach. And I think it's topics like this and conversations like this with people like yourselves uh, that will help enhance that conversation and further the dialogue in ways that can become not only healthier for the patient community and the community of disabled people, but also for themselves and for their own um, becoming unshackled from outmoded concepts and belief systems that, as Dr. Halakui points out, end up hurting everyone. Yeah, I think, you know, you both said, made so many great points about that, um, just the ways that we try to pretend that we're perfect and not human, which, which hurts everyone. Um, you know, sometimes I think of this analogy of if, if everyone 
had to pretend like they don't sleep because we saw sleepness, sleeping as a weakness. And so we're all just lying to each other saying, oh, no, last night, yeah, I was reading from just 12 <laughs> to 3 a.m. And then from 3 to 6, I worked out. And then, and then just trying to think, how do I take a nap where I'm so weak that I'm tired sometimes because no one else is sleeping, but we're, we're all lying to each other. And that's kind of what we do with so many other aspects of life of trying to present ourselves as perfect, as happy all the time, as physically healthy all the time of not having any of these um you know, what really makes us human is these, these aspects that we're not perfect. And so um, I, I think we suffer so much because of them, everyone. It's not just, you know, someone who's suffering in that moment, but we all go through different things. And, and so I think trying to let go of this myth of perfect uh, and recognizing and embracing being human and, and sharing that with one another, that's really what makes us connect even when you think of people you're close to you know if it's people that you say hi how are you i'm good you're good you know we're all good you don't really get close to that them you know it can be polite for a, just a quick interaction but right. the people you're close to are the ones that you've shown you know you're not so good moments the sadness the pains the you know the wounds and the scars those are the ones we get close to and that's the only way we really create that uh, closeness is by having that vulnerability which means accepting our, our own imperfections and sharing them and recognizing that that that's part of being human and that that could be very beautiful right that's very very nice nice way to 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 end the discussion but i wanted to share with you before i let you guys go um a list of seven actionable ways that everybody can do things uh to to help the the disabled community here's one hire disabled professionals I'd like to say that at NDF, we've done that, and I'm very proud of being able to do that, and I think we're going to continue to do that. Obviously, you don't pick a disabled person over a more qualified person, but all things being equal, that's a, a wonderful thing to do and should be done and shouldn't even be, need to be said. Educate yourself on disability history and culture. I think we've made a good step in doing that today. Stop consuming and sharing inspiration porn, which is cute and... Uh, in your face and I appreciate it. Educate yourself on issues faced by the disability community. Again, I think we're doing that today. Um, listen to and defer to disabled voices. Dr. Holical, you said that in your comment. It should be up to the person in a family that's disabled to call the shots on how they wanna be treated and spoken about um, and it shouldn't be someone else's decision. And finally, stop using ableist slurs and euphemistic language. Um, to describe disabled people. Finally, become aware of our barriers to access and equity. Work with us to eradicate them. So on that note, I would like to know if you have any other questions or comments um, before we wrap up. My only other thing I wanted to add is, is I loved being able to have this conversation today. I hope it opened the dialogue of us kind of talking about these topics and what we can do to kind of educate ourselves and, and move forward on being even more attuned to some of the issues. But I would love next time around, I know none of us are actually a part of the disabled community in the way we're talking about the GE myopathy community that I really look forward to. I know there's some real uh, patients that I've learned from that I have already inquired if they would be interested in being a part of this conversation. And any patients out there that are listening, please let us know if you are interested in talking about this topic and helping educate the general public, even your own community about some of these issues. Because I think a lot of the times, a lot of power is from hearing from patients. 
Thank you, Carol. Absolutely. Email us at info at curegnem.org and let us know if you'd be interested in joining us on our podcast. Dr. Halakui, we look forward to seeing you on your show. Uh, can you give us the name and time and how can people hear your podcasts? Sure. And I, I wouldn't mind adding a few you know, thoughts um, sure. to what Carol just mentioned. But quickly, I could say, uh, so my show is in session with Dr. Farid Halakui, which broadcasts live on Radio Hamra. Um, but if you, it's easier probably listen to it on the podcast, which I have on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, but I did want to say, you know, I was thinking the same thing that uh, what Carol mentioned. I think I'm, I was so honored to be a part of this today, uh, but I do hope we could have individuals who are experienced disability share their stories because they only they can share their stories and their perspective. And so I'm here not speaking on behalf of anyone, but just in support of and try to consider myself an advocate and an ally for all human beings and especially anyone who is experiencing uh, discrimination or um, uh, not really getting their full rights in some way. Yesterday on my show, because it was International Women's Day, I spoke about women, of course, as a man, recognizing that I don't know what it's like to be a woman, but I can try to be an advocate and an ally. And so um, I'm here to continue to learn, but also to support. And I hope we will all recognize that we have a role to play in making sure that even individuals we might not realize we're not including or letting have a seat at the table, uh, it's up to us to continue the conversations, but to make sure, most importantly, we hear from them themselves, whoever is going through through something. So I'm honored to be a part of today's podcast and looking forward to hearing the great work that, that you do going forward. So I hope you've enjoyed our excerpts from the podcast with Dr. Hala Kui and Carol Gelbard. If you have any feedback for us or would like to join one of our podcasts, please contact us at info at curegnem.org.